0: Two, ready, one, Hello and welcome to Say That the podcast, where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA.
1: The unrefrigerated uh, reindeer sausage is not sitting well. Mm. It's starting to repeat on me.
0: <laughs> yes, we are in a we are in a second episode. Re- of a two-episode record we did if if this is your first time tuning in to the Say that podcast that wasn't some sort of strange code <laughs> to release some kind of manchurian candidate right i repeat the reindeer sausage doesn't sit well <laughs> i repeat right. that says we we tried some reindeer sausage that a wonderful listener from norway sent in and um The refrigeration on it was uh, non-existent. Right. So we're living dangerously in this second episode of The Record. There you go. Also joining us, Director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer.
2: I'm washing it down with a tonic that is diet cheer wine. It'll probably all work out.
0: Yeah. Uh, A potent combination, a meeting of North Carolina and Norway. (laughs) And before the end of this episode is out, we may find out if God kept those two lands far away from each other (laughs) for a reason. There you go. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
3: I wonder how the, uh, the the reindeer sausage pairs with the Omega-3s. Are you still on the Omega-3s, brother? Dude,
1: I'm completely off the Omega-3s. Here's my new thing, and people okay. want to... They're probably tracking this and keeping a log. It's also a nutrition
3: podcast, obviously. Yeah,
1: it's totally... People want to hear the nutrition. Because this... I briefly, went, I was on the fish pills, went off the fish pills. I said, I'm going to do coconut water. That didn't do anything. Because I wanted to... I, I need to have a pack of punch. Like, Kapow! Clearly. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I wanted to punch me in the face with energy. How healthy it is! Yeah. Uh, so now I'm on this uh, turmeric. No. Okay. And uh, I'm I'm taking like a whole bottle of that, and we're seeing what happens. Right on. So stay tuned. I'm into sure. it. Sure. You know, as as things develop.
0: I, I'm now choosing to uh, to feed myself the fiction that we are non-existent in the iTunes rankings because they just don't know where to put us. <laughs> like it says religion, but they talk a lot about nutrition and fashion, and we just don't know right. what to do with them. Yeah. It's, it's lack of specialization, not lack of popularity. Totally. I, I, they do reviews myself. of
1: reindeer sausage. So We're that, probably the best at that. Yeah, sure. Well, well who's, here's, who's beating us? That's what I want to know.
0: And on that basis, I must declare a strategic emergency. What?
1: Right? because i have state?
0: a thought of something that may raise our profile really oh yes acrobatics
2: uh sounds exciting Go stagecraft
0: on. oh flight
3: wow
2: i oh,
0: refer wow. and if you've not seen this video we'll put it up on uh one of our uh twitters and you can check us out on that um Gentlemen, it's time to talk about the flying pastor.
4: Whoa.
0: If you've not seen this video, it's from a, a church. I don't know where. I want to say it was in Michigan or somewhere, but I could be wrong. I
1: can't. I, didn't, I don't know if I ever knew.
0: But a fairly large uh, membership, African-American church. And uh, there's video that has surfaced recently on the internet. You've probably seen it floating around in such circles in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> no pun uh, intended. Yes, yeah, you them, probably saw him floating around. Yeah, them, them in a... In a stage production of Peter Pan wiring setup. <laughs> zip lining ever so slowly this dude to the stage
1: right.
0: while he's preaching.
1: He's flying over the people. And it's not like a Superman. Yeah, no, like, he's just pulling up flat. flat. It's up and down, just <laughs> and very slowly <laughs> being hoisted along. And it, also he's wearing a two-piece suit which is yeah. what you want, so that the 2B the, the suit is over the harness. Yeah. The harness is underneath, and it's like attached to the top of each shoulder, but it's pulling up on the suit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like his shoulders like are... neck. like Yeah, he's, he's like really, like his shoulder, like he's shrugging it yes. just can't <laughs> yes. come out of That's it. That's
0: right. Well, and then there's the moment where, because of this, he lands, oh. and I'm sure in their mind it was a seamless kind of, as, as Glenn pointed out, you know... Christopher Reeve the Superman lands and just keeps moving ever so effortlessly. He's yeah. got lands and he's got to like turn and find the lectern and keep preaching while some guy who I assume is the associate pastor, who I'm sure is glad he spent the money on seminary now, is uh, trying to <laughs> unhook him yeah. from the harness but get under the suit coat.
1: Right, and yeah. this is not going well. Yeah, he can't unhook him from it. So, it, wh- what's also extremely odd is the sermon. Is being delivered. It's not real monotone. It, it's like if he was preaching. Like you, if you have faith, you can f- soar high above the. You know, and then that would like yeah. They'll go soar his wings on eagles, right? That, that kind yeah. of deal. It's not that. It's it's just basic <laughs> regular preaching. He's <laughs> just floating above us, and we're we're looking up at the bottom of his feet.
0: I was. I that's a good point. I was so taken by the total nonchalance with which he's delivering the sermon. Yeah. They didn't even take time to figure out. He's not saying anything content-wise no. that has to do with flying right, no. or rising above uh-uh. or floating. No, it's just regular sermon. Because <laughs> he already had the sermon written? Yeah. And they were like, "Hey pastor, we got an idea."
3: So, here's my thing on this is if you are, you know, Trevor and you're working in the in like the, you know, the the the, the AV booth or whatever back there, don't you know that you'd get some friends to Venmo you some money or something to raise that mug up. Like thirty yep. minutes later, if the yep. associate pastor doesn't get it unhooked, just just start taking him up, and just yep. see if he just That's breaks. Right. See if he breaks character. Just
1: just take him up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This t- they can't unhook him. No, you might as well take him back up. I take mean, when him you up. think about it. What's the point of him? Or- just- you know, with wires dangling while you... Sorry, pastor,
0: around. you were preaching about Enoch. I thought that really added saying, something. If
3: if the sermon's bad, can you eject the pastor in the same way you brought him in? Just oh, take oh, him out. Oh, now you're ceiling. talking
0: about a Sandman situation, which <laughs> we have amused on many times he at the is, bridge. Yeah. And you know, the sweeping is one thing, but yeah, just at the eight minute mark, Jed comes in. <laughs> And attaches the harness. No, but wouldn't it be
1: great if you got pastor? He's, he's preaching, he's out standing at the pulpit. Right. He's all hooked, you know, harnessed in. Right. And then it goes a little too long. You just right. start reeling. <laughs> he's just getting higher and higher up That's in it. the, you know what I mean? Eventually it's, you, you know. Here's the thing yeah. I love we just fly you right out of here. Get. Given that
2: the content, like the actual verbal content of the sermon, had nothing to do with themes of soaring or flying or rising above, right? this is one of those rare moments where I have no idea what this was supposed to be. Yeah. Most right. of the time, I mean, we hear a lot of bad ideas and right. most of the time I like, I get what you're going for. Right. This is not a good way to do it. It won't work. But I don't have any idea what this was supposed to be.
0: That's a great point because we do hear a lot of bad ideas and a lot of bad preaching ideas. Mm-hmm. Not that it's a bad idea, but the, the, I'd say one of the larger subcategories of why are you doing this that we experience is somebody who has a very fancy visual aid for something that does not need a visual aid. I've brought an right. entire suit of armor onto this stage. <laughs> this is true. This was several years ago at the bridge. A guy was talking about something with one of the I well, guess armor of God. Yeah, you ar- uh, armor man. of God. And he brought from his church, who had apparently paid for this, a Roman gladius and a suit of armor, right. like a breastplate in the Roman style, and called someone up to the front. And he put on the breastplate, which he oh must my. have thought and said, try to just stab at it. See, it can't get in. <laughs> oh and a, of all the crazy things about that, the fundamental one is people know what a sword looks like. Right. Say, picture a
1: sword. Right. I, I'm picturing one right now. Boom. We did it. Sword
0: <laughs> yeah. it. I'm pouring this thing into this thing. Pastors love pouring water in oh, stuff Lord, on stage. The we all know what water looks like. Yeah. We true. can imagine in our minds. What? Her well, Am I not saying that Right? It's like cheer wine, but clearer.
4: Wow!
0: <laughs> so like diet cheer wine. Pretty much, yeah. Diet diet cheer wine.
1: Here's, but here's the the thing that baffles me about this that I I, I I can't figure out how pastors haven't worked this out. Is that if you and everyone on this podcast and and most pastors have been here, if you. Stand up and you preach and you nail that point. I mean, you really said something to set somebody free, it changes the temperature of that room. Sure. Right. You feel it and they feel it. It's like I want to get that feeling back and I wanna be I wanna be that's where I wanna be every time, you know. If you've if if you've utterly given up on doing that. And you're saying, I want to literally be the flying Walendas. I want you to hoist me above the thing and I want to fly around the room. Yeah. Because that's the only, that's as big of an admission of defeat as I can imagine. <laughs> what makes that a good idea in your mind? Like, y'all like this that song? You raise me up? Well, here we go. You know, this won't smack of desperation at all. I mean, how does that even work in your brain?
2: Here's what I'm saying let's lean into it. Okay. Here we go. The pastor has a lot of jobs. Now, right. he's incorporated wire work into one of them. <laughs>
0: okay. I think. Pause. I would go to John Wu Presents Church.
2: You know yes, that's right. Yes.
0: Doves flying in
2: slow motion. It's a Absolutely. whole thing. Right. I'm just saying, counseling appointment with the pastor, yeah.
1: premarital counseling.
2: Okay. You and your future missus are there to, to talk about love and right. problems and togetherness. Right. And the pastor is just hovering
3: above you <laughs> as he dispenses wisdom. I just, well, <laughs> in a counseling situation. <laughs> You're at the hospital
2: because Aunt Mildred is sick and we need to have a pastoral prayer. <laughs> He's hovering above He just us.
1: swings in through the window. Like his shoulders just permanently hunched and just <laughs> just just slowly being hoisted. along. Elders meeting, I exactly. Mean, holy, yes. Is, I mean, is this some kind of like a trust exercise? Does he fall from the sky? <laughs> we have to catch him. I don't even. I don't even know what we're talking about here. Well, here's the deal:
3: is you know, Glenn's talking about this signifies a, an act of desperation. It's a it's a it's a signal of defeat that we we have lost the power of preaching at this point. Right. That being the case, how many? churches do you think since this video went viral have asked their their guys hey can we get the rig Uh, oh oh, they thought about it Uh, well here's
0: the thing and they've seen that video uh and realized it's awful yes and mockable yes and pathetic
1: and probably read the comments underneath that said exactly that
0: and then they had this thought but i got an idea Uh yeah And that guy's famous. I got a whole... (laughs) The problem was the execution. Uh I could pull it off, though. I got a whole three-point sermon about how you've got to overcome Uh and land on your feet with the Lord, and it's about to get awesome.
1: Wait till I finish. I'm upside down. How does that change? Uh Trapeze.
2: Gentlemen, I think I can bring all this together. I think I've got it. All right, okay. it's the Christmas season. It is. All right? Now, if there's one thing churches love during the Christmas season, it's pageants.
0: Yep. yep. If there's
2: one thing they love more than pageants, it's pageants with real wildlife.
0: Boom. Right. Okay?
2: Here's what I'm saying. At our church, flying wildlife.
4: Yeah. We've got okay. a donkey
2: and a harness, and it's going
3: <laughs> to fly through the That's air. A great idea, Jim. You like
0: live nativities? You like the fact that Rudolph flies? Combine them up. <laughs> We took flying it. camel.
1: I think I think I've I've landed here. You said you'd go to church when pigs fly. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes! We got a flying pig. Done so, and we're out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Those of you said I'll give ten percent of my gross income when pigs fly. Get out that checkbook. Your time's come. <laughs> Your time has come. And, and before we declare emergency off. Don't, don't don't get stagecraft involved in your sermon.
1: Yeah, that's just...
0: No no flying, no juggling, no right. sleight of hand magic, yeah, just... none of the old soft
1: shoe. <laughs> just talking. Just yeah. do the talking.
0: Anything that you might find in a vaudeville-style theater hall, right. don't do that at church.
1: That's right. It's
0: a simple plea from some very tired men. That's right. And with that, I declare emergency <laughs> off. Well done, sir though, if he could soft shoe through the entire sermon, never calls attention to it. Just tap a, tap a, tap a for 30 straight minutes. It wouldn't be helpful, but it would be impressive.
1: Somebody's thinking about it, right? Now. I mean, Somebody, just, don't even put that out in the world. Just hop those
0: tap shoes that are right next to that copy of, of John. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's sadly true. well, Bridgebox flies right into your inbox Oh, oh right wow. on Done. a monthly basis. Through cyberspace, does it fly? Mm-hmm. It comes directly to you. We're here in the month of December. We're still talking about prayer in this edition of Bridgebox. You sign up, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Only eight small dollars a month. You'll get sermons from Glenn and myself. You get songs from G- Jed, Lee, some other friends of ours on a rotating base. You get Bible studies, all sorts of goodies. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right. Jumped our first question here. Anything else all the way in? I'll give you some ways you can touch this. First question comes in anonymously and it says, I am really pissed. Someone treated a bunch of my friends in a very uncool way. I don't really know the offender and my friends are all moving on okay, but I am still very angry about it. What is the right way to handle this feeling? And Glenn, why don't you kick us off?
1: Uh, Be angry. That seems... uh, That's your
0: answer to everything.
1: Yeah, well, it fits. You know, it's, it's the right thing uh to, to feel it's the right response to that. What you don't want to be is stuck in that anger. Yeah. And that's yeah. the that's the part that you're I I think sensing that that you know there's a uh what do I do with this feeling as as much as whether I should be feeling it or not. Uh, the the truth is that God cares about your friends and God cares about uh justice. He cares about making sure that uh, people are taken care of. Uh, he cares about his sheep being fed. Uh, he cares about, uh, uh, you know, uh, and gives us instructions on uh, what happens when we lead any of his little ones astray, and it does not go well for those who do that. Uh, so part of it is recognizing God's heart and his character and where he stands in all of that. Uh, but it's also important to recognize. That uh, un, uh, that you're saying this person is very, being very uncool, uh, and the thing about uncool people, uh, or people who do uh, uh, unrighteous and and ugly things, those people sow the seeds of their own defeat. Yeah, that's the part that you have to try to get your mind around. There's, there's a sense of I want this person to have their come up and try away, and life isn't like that. That's not how things work. But, uh, you know when if I look back and over the the course of my life, there have been all sorts of moments where people have been uncool, they've been unfair, they've, you know, and a lot of that is them being, they have problems of their own and they're just putting that on other people and I happen to be the person that's in their path and that may be a similar case for you, your friends. But the thing is, uh, those people have also, their problems that they're trying to put on everyone else are consuming them and eventually mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh, took them out in a way that if I came up with some sort of revenge, it would not be as harsh as what they're dealing to themselves mm-hmm. with, through their own dysfunctionality. It doesn't come nearly fast enough, but when it does come, it's sort of worse than what you wanted to happen, and you kind of just end up feeling sorry for them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you can sort of fast forward your way through all of that, of recognizing uh, they're sowing the seeds of their own defeat. They're what they're doing to hurt your friends. They are 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 eventually going to have a downfall of their own based on that. Uh, so therefore, it's important to draw near to your friends, to comfort them, and let them know uh, that uh, not to take those things personally, not to, to internalize those things, not to. Uh, form uh, an identity based on this kind of interaction. Uh, there are unhealthy people in the world. That are, you know, they, they create problems for us, and they create challenges for us. But the main thing is to pick up and carry on without letting that uh, divert us from what God has for us.
0: That's a really great place to start there. And Jed, I'd love you to be able to give some some measured yeah. and realistic practical advice to the people.
1: Sure. Go
2: burn their house down. Well, yeah, that's that, one type of advice. That'll work. Matches, gasoline, uh-huh. maybe a nice accelerant to go with it. Sure. Burn it down.
0: In a yeah. big way, this was my fault for going to Jed for the measured <laughs> realistic advice.
2: So to um, to completely agree with Glenn, you need to start by being angry. And, and that means acknowledging I do want to burn their house down. Um, I think the funny thing is... We have a way of shortchanging our feelings and trying to talk ourselves out of things kind of prematurely, because I don't know your situation, but I've been around a lot of situations where people deserve to have their house burned down. Yep. Whether you should be the one to do it or not is neither here nor there. They definitely deserve it. And if we won't acknowledge that, it's going to be pretty hard to have peace. I mean, the, the Bible says, um, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. I will repay That's very different from, it's not really that big a deal, declares the Lord. It's probably fine. (laughs) These are two different statements. One of them is in the Bible. The other is the one we pretend like is in the Bible. So given that, when you're dealing with issues of injustice, I think you need to feel the freedom to go tell God how angry you are about this and that you want to burn this person's house down. Um, God can handle your anger, And and I think that for your own sake, you need to be able to get that out and express that. And the Lord is a really great place to do that. He is not going to be looking down on you for the fact that you're angry about your friends being hurt. The thing on the other side of talking out some of that anger that we do want to do is ask the Lord, is there a role for me to play? You know, the way that you're breaking it down in this particular situation, other than being, as Glenn is saying, draw near to your friends, and being a comfort to them, there may not be a lot to do here in terms of setting the wrong things right, because as you're describing it, the situation's kind of pretty much done what it's going to do, and, and they're all moving on. But I think it's worth looking and asking, are there other people that maybe aren't, you know, my friends in the same way, but they're going through a similar injustice where I can be a part of the solution to the thing that they're going through. Is that work that you would have for me? I'll give an example. We know a lot of people who suffer mightily from unjust landlords. That's unfortunately a really common thing, particularly with folks who who don't have a lot of of money here in the city of Chicago. And um, man, we could tell you horror stories all night that would get you good and angry about the way they've been treated. Now, one of the things that can be done about that is there are nonprofit legal clinics that exist precisely to help right these wrongs, to, to champion the, the rights of people who don't have a lot of money and are being uh, treated unfairly by their landlord, you can go volunteer at one of those legal clinics. Um, you can uh, take notes in meetings. You can answer phones. You can send out letters. You can volunteer your time. You can let that anger drive you to do something to actually make someone else's situation better. You can do that. I think after you've talked out your anger with the Lord, you should ask if that's the right thing for you to do. Are there ways that you can make somebody else's situation better? Can you turn this sense of anger into fuel to address other people's injustice? I think you're going to have a certain amount of stuff where you ask the Lord about that, and and the leading that you get through prayer and wise counsel and, and other factors in your life is this isn't quite your fight. But I think you should keep asking that question, because sooner or later, I think you're going to run to things where the Lord's clear message is, yeah, I do want you to do something about this. I have a role for you to play. This is a fight I want you to get up in. It makes sense that you're angry. I am angry. I, the Lord, am angry. I want you to do something about this. But if we shut down that conversation with the Lord before it happens by deciding, ah, it's bad to be angry, then we can't get to that point. I know this for a fact. God's heart does burn against injustice. He does have a fight. He wants you up in, whether this specific one is it or not. And the way that we get that sorted out is by going to him and talking through the stuff that we're concerned about.
0: It's really great stuff. And Lee, how'd you close this out?
3: Uh, Really more of the same. I completely agree with where these guys are coming from. And I think that what happens is that we have a sense that, you know, my, my, uh, you know, you know, I've heard verses about how you're supposed to be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Or, you know, the, uh, the anger of man doesn't, You know, doesn't accomplish the you know the righteousness of God. Those things are true, but what we can what can sometimes happen as a result of of hearing stuff like that is we can feel like what I need to do is tamp down my anger. When I think what where Jed is heading on this is exactly the right tip, which is that the anger that you're feeling from this you're you're saying I'm pissed. This is a coordinate. This isn't something that you need to tamp down. This is something you need to dial in. Um, These are coordinates put inside you from the Lord. Um, Sometimes you will be put in a situation where something will wake up in you uniquely, and not for your friends necessarily, in a way that it's, it's, it's a deal where it's like, okay, I'm finding out who I am. You know, you say like your friends have kind of moved on from this, but you haven't. That doesn't mean it's a weird thing. It doesn't mean that they're wrong for moving past this or forgiving it or whatever, um, or not seeking retribution or something like that. It doesn't mean that you are wrong for having a different reaction from them. I have a friend who, um, who went to serve at, at a kind of a a summer youth camp and, and a, a lot of her friends were at the same kind of camp at the same time and everything. And the last week of the camp, they had set aside the entire camp to be for special needs folks. And as soon as the first person got off the first bus, this friend of mine that was there serving at this camp felt this unbelievable burden that she had never felt in her entire life. Uh, She'd never really been around a ton of special needs folks, but as soon as she saw these Folks, kind of flooding off of this bus. It was this very obvious. whoa, something is waking up in me. And since that time, now if you fast forward, now it's like two and a half years later. Um, you know, she has all this work, uh, all these amazing, cool things that the Lord has started, all because of her burden in our county toward, you know, toward and for a ton of special needs folks right here at home. This is not something that's weird in you. It's not something that's off in you. It's not something to tamp down. These are coordinates. This is something to dial in. This is something to, exactly as Jed said, to express what you're feeling to the Lord and to say, um, show me where I fit. Show me what fight you want me to get into. Um, it, it's, there's a, it's a very natural thing to feel like I want to come up with the perfect zinger you know, to kind of get this person back or whatever. Those things never really work out the way that we hope that they will, but to find the coordinate for this thing that is waking up in you, this intolerance for injustice, and to ask the Lord to show you your place and where you fit in in the kingdom on this, that's where you want to go with it.
0: All really great stuff from all these guys. Um, I will go back to kind of a little bit of what Jed was saying about burning people's house down, which I'm going to come out against burning people's houses down. Whoa. Mm. Jed apparently feels differently. Whoa. What is now? Is that because sometimes I'm the person who does the dumb thing and deserves to have my house burned down? Well, you know, oh, okay. really there but as he says about not, not this idea, we, we do that a lot around here. It's, it's one of those things. It's half a joke and well, half, not as much where the first move is like, well, I have to go into this person because once you say that out loud, you can, that's the starting of negotiation with the Lord. Right. Lord, I I feel the need to burn their house down. Then you may get a pushback of, well, they didn't do anything to you and that wouldn't help anything anyway. And jail is bad. So why don't we negotiate down to you? Let me handle it. That's, that's probably where you want to end. But as we talk about a lot on the show, where you want to end and where you want to start are different places? That idea of, well, it's, uh, it's probably not that big a deal. Or should I really be mad about that? Is, a valid question, but you can't ask that before you get the mad out. You know, this person has, you know, wow, well, my friends are moving on. I don't really know the person. I'm mad at all sorts of people I don't know. <laughs> um, That's probably, I'm probably more mad at them than any other group, just because there's more of them. Now, the way that lands is a lot of, it's not anything I'm going to do anything about, but you can't really start your emotional process at, well, I can't do anything about this, so I just shouldn't feel this. You want to work through that emotion with God in a way that acknowledges that you're probably not going to, able to, or being called by God to, it's very important, do anything about this. But that's not, as these guys are saying, that's not a minimization. That's not don't feel what you feel. That's feel we feel, get that out, and then start looking at the realities of what actually can or cannot be done. And it seems it's a small tweak, but it's a much healthier way to look at these things. All right, move on to our next question. Here it comes in anonymously. It says, I know everyone has drama in their families, but my family has a lot. Someone is always telling rumors on someone else and stirring up fights. They never really get along and never really encourage anyone. How can I keep from making things worse? And Jed, a Christmas question, if ever there was one. (laughs) So where do we start off?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm sorry for the problems in your family. Um, that's not fun. And if it's any comfort to you, I can relate. And actually all of us on this podcast can relate. So what do you do? um, I, the thing I would start you with is you need to limit your exposure. Uh, it is not possible to just bathe in a stew of awful 24 hours a day and be unaffected by it and to somehow magically be Christian about it. That's just not a possibility. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, there is a lot of really bad advice that floats around in Christian circles around family stuff that boils down to that. Bathe in the awful 24 hours a day, but find a way to be sweet.
0: Family is the most important thing. Sure,
2: it's just not possible. No one can do that. Um, if you're if you're in if you're dealing with a toxic, unpleasant, unhealthy situation, you got to have limits on how much you can be in it. I, I certainly, both with relatives and with all kinds of situations, I draw pretty firm boundaries on. Here's how much of this situation I can take uninterrupted. Uh, before it's going to really have a negative effect on me. Um, You know, I've certainly, I've got relatives where... I know they can behave for about 24 hours and then that's it. That's, you know, something horrible is going to happen. That's just kind of where they're at. And so I I plan visits accordingly. Uh, You know, a lot of how that's going to break down in your life depends on your living situation. uh, It depends on, um, do you live with these people? Do you live on your own? Do you have a car? Do you have places you can go? But I think the key thing is finding a way to create oasises for yourself. Even if you live with them and you don't really have a car and it's hard to get away, um, whether that's um, you know getting super involved in church activities, super involved in school activities, whatever it is, finding a way to create space for yourself where you don't have to stew in that is going to make it a lot more possible to do the right thing with a good attitude when you are around those people.
0: That's a really fantastic place to start off. and very important kind of under discussed aspect of all this it's very it's all good well and good and it's a smart thing to look at of what do we do when we're there when we're forced to be in there but as we talk about about starting the beginning not being there that much is a great superpower in these things so lee let's take that step but look at what you can do if you're stuck if you're there for the time you are there what can we do
3: yeah I, i i do want to double back to something matt said kind of jokingly which is super important because you know matt said the thing about But Jed, family is the most important thing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it really isn't the most important thing. Um, I I, I know that sounds weird, and it makes people kind of cringe. You know, when you say stuff like that, there's something in us that feels like, well, I guess that, I guess that's right. You know, family is the most important thing, or whatever. We need to remember that the Lord that we follow um, said, you know, my mother and my brothers and my sisters are those who do the will of my father, Um, and he, he understood what it was like to have. You know family that are misbehaving and family that are are not on the right thing um, Jesus knew what it meant to 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 set up firm boundaries with his family members who were who were out of pocket um, and that 's an important thing to start with. I think one of the 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 things if you're stuck in the house um I, I love what Jed said about looking for oasis and stuff like that if you 're stuck in the house, one thing that I would be looking for is I would be the person that the drama stops with you. Um, if you can't get out of the house, if you don't live in a different situation, and you can't do anything about that right now, um, don't let yourself become a like kind of a a chess piece in anybody else's drama or misbehavior. Don't let yourself be lobbied or pulled, a, you know, pulled into this gossip or that or whatever. Da da da. If you low yourself to the drama, then the temperature will always rise, and you'll and your emotions will always go up and down with all of that stuff. And you don't have to participate in it. Um, this is going to involve the kinds of conversations that that will make you grow up fast. Uh, conversations of I'm not going to participate in this fight. Um, I'm not a part of this. Um, you know, speaking clearly about where people stand with you and where you stand with them. Um, but not getting involved in it. And and to that point, I think another part of this equally is start right now to figure out what it would take for you to be out on your own. If you're yep. the age where you could be out on your own, let's start getting some some actual goals for moving out. Yes. If you don't know what that looks like, please email us and, 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 and follow up. We'd love to help you figure that out, figure out what it would take for you to be out on your own, to have your own place or to find a roommate or something like that. Here's the deal. You do not have to be obligated to participate in misbehavior and senseless drama simply because you're related to people. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that because you're a Christian, anything like that. If people have senseless drama and misbehavior, you get to distance yourself from it exactly as Jed's saying, and you get to say, I don't I don't participate in that, I'm not a part of that, and I'm not going to hang out with you if that's what this is going to be. So figuring out how to have the kinds of conversations where you're not the pawn or getting lobbied onto anybody's side... And then taking steps today, even if that's a mason jar where you start to put some cash towards you moving out of the house, getting a job, whatever that case, you know, whatever the case is, talking to some people that could be potential roommates, and then realizing just because I'm a believer in Jesus, just because we are related to each other, that does not um, oblige me to, to participate in your senseless drama.
0: Avoiding senseless drama, really the key to any happy holiday season. Good luck to all of us out there. And Glenn, where would we close out with this idea?
1: Well, uh, this person closes their question out by saying, how can I keep from making things worse? And my question is, are you in a position to make anything be anything? Uh, If you're not in a position, whether that's because of the dysfunctionality of the family, whether it's just the way they see you or uh, maybe something in your past, whatever it is, who knows. Uh, but if they don't look to you for guidance and direction within this family, and most dysfunctional families don't want any guidance or direction. Particularly from the healthy person in the family. <laughs> yeah, if, they're, if they're not looking to you for that, then you're not in a position to make it better at all. That's hard for us to, you know, Christians uh, have this way of saying, well, you know, if I'm just earnest and sincere enough and I have feelings at you, eventually I'll just wear you down with my sweetness and everything will work out.
2: Has that ever worked ever? No. Okay.
1: So that's, we're not going to go that route.
0: It worked in the fictional Christmas movies I like. Did you ever think about that, Jed?
1: I had not thought about that. Maybe yes. you
0: should. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the thing about a dysfunctional person. They act mechanically. I want you to kind of get your mind around the the words that I'm using to describe that. They don't think their way through their problems. If they did, they wouldn't act the way they act. A person who has an addiction doesn't say, okay, I have done the math. I think smoking crack probably will be fine, and it won't cause any problems in my life. So based on my rigorous logic and my working out of all the details, I'm going to go and buy some crack today.
0: I ran the numbers. I think it's a good investment.
1: That's right. That's not how this works. Uh, their, their addiction tells them to do themselves to do it. They have a mechanism within themselves that allows them to justify it, and then they do it. It's a mechanical process inside that person's brain. Uh, Dysfunctional families have this similar kind of mechanical way of operating. Everyone just fulfills their role within that dysfunctional family without, without thinking about it. And they all feel powerless to be any other person. The person who's who who is so defensive, you can't tell them there's anything wrong with them, despite the fact that there's everything wrong with them and they are (laughs) directing it at your face 24 hours a day. And I can't tell you any part of any of it is wrong. I mean, I don't live in a world where everyone pretends that everything I do is perfect. So why do you get to live in that world? Also, how hard is it for you to live in that world? Because everything you do sucks. So if this person is defensive to that extent, to that extreme, and I feel as though I can't say anything because everything becomes defensiveness, then we're locked in this sort of this uh this endlessly playing out the same yeah. roles. A lot of people in, you know, if you're in a dysfunctional family, you might feel like you're the martyr where everyone kind of takes out their stuff on you. Uh in, in my family I was kind of the buffer in a lot of ways. Everybody would be dysfunctional, but they'd sort of direct it at me because they couldn't talk to each other, they'd just end up in a fight. So they just uh you know, directed it at me and, and I'm supposed to absorb all that, right? Well there came a point in my life where I said, Okay, I don't like the mechanism of this and I don't think any of these dysfunctional people in this dysfunctional family like the mechanism either. Sure. So if I'm fulfilling the role of that, that buffer, so to speak. Guess what? I quit. I'm not the buffer. I'm your son, I'm your brother, I'm your whatever it is. I'll be a member of the family. I love you. I will help you, but I'm not being the buffer anymore. Right. And that's worse than anything else I could have said or done. That creates total disruption and furor, but this is the only way to break down that machine is to is to say I don't want to play that role. You don't want to play your role either. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what to do now. That's why you're mad. So figure out something else to do. Figure out who you really are. Uh figure out what's going on. But uh your role is to stop being a cog in that machine, because that, that puts you in a position of endlessly playing these things out. Um finally, I think having a healthy relationship with family is not thinking of a relationship with family. There this is a relationship with a series of individuals. Those individual relationships need individual nurturing or not. Uh, that's the way. That's what you need to be looking at. You don't have a relationship with a family. You have a relationship with individuals. Yeah.
0: And if you're looking for a way to uh, gently bring something up, I think there's a a family member who might be open to some some feedback, some help. Everything you do sucks is an advanced maneuver. Yes, that's <laughs> right. I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily suggest starting there. And these guys, these guys all gave you a, a lot of good stuff. And it's um, one thing I'll add on this. It, it's, I think Glenn makes a very important point there. of Are you in a position to make anything better? Yeah. And the answer for that to that, that for today, maybe no. And uh, unfortunately, if you're on the other side, it may be no for a good long time, but um, eventually you might be, I think I can speak safely for all the people around this room. I sort of show myself that at some point, people may get sick and tired of being sick and tired, as our friends in the the inner city say, and you may be able to have a positive influence. That's not saying you have to suffer through every bit of, you you don't get there by amount of suffering you do in this situation to earn the ability to be a positive influence. It's about when these folks are ready to hear something, to change something up. So in that meantime, it really does look like these guys are saying of, Limiting exposure of finding the one cousin, or whoever who could be cool. If if that's retreating into your phone for if that's it's uh, you know t- taking the extra long bathroom break, just these people can't get to you. Uh-huh. All that stuff is fine. The bouncing from room to room, um, just kind of I can spend 15 minutes with these people before they drive me nuts. You know, spend 15 minutes with the other people drive me nuts and then back and forth. It all those survival tactics. There's nothing wrong with those. I think we would say in a lot of situations that you don't want to just build up a series of band-aids on this problem. You want it as we would say, as women put it, you know, don't, don't wound this problem, take it out back and kill it. But when it's other people's problems and you're waiting for that situation where you can make a difference, uh, a lot of playing for time, which I've about on the show just looks like keeping your sanity. That's different than that's That's one of the ways a family is different than a church. It's different than on a mission field. If you do want to have, a, as we started off with, you know, you're under no obligation from Jesus or anyone else to say, I want to be involved with these people I'm related to. But if you do, if you do feel that tug on your heart, then that's not about how much you can put up with. That's about how little you can make yourself put up with while you play for time to be in a position where you can do something good. And we have all been through that journey, as Lee points out. If you want some some more details on that, feel free to write to in, we do have some long, hard-fought experience at just such a thing. We'll move on to our final question here. It comes in and honestly, and it says, this guy and I had been, quote, hanging out, unquote, Quite a bit. And I took your advice and told him that if he asked me out, I would say yes. He proceeded to freak out and sputter about how he likes to initiate and he didn't want to get my hopes up and so on. Did I do it wrong or is he just being weird?
1: He's weird. Thank (laughs) you,
0: but we do have more show to fill out. So Lee, would you care to expand on Glenn's correct, if a bit brusque point?
3: Glenn is exactly right. He's weird. He's being weird. He's also weird. Um, you did great, man. We're proud of you. Um you you said what you should have said, you did what you should have done, and um and I'm sorry that this turned out so poorly. Here's the deal forget this dude, try again with somebody else. Um that's what it's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be somebody else. The cool thing about what you did is that um and I hope this makes sense the advice that you heard on this show which was correct and which you deployed beautifully is not just good advice for getting a relationship started this is a um this is kind of the heart and soul of the kind of the kind of conversation the kind of talk that makes a good relationship good and healthy and grow which is you want something to be a certain way you say that out loud to the other person that you're in the relationship with they receive that, they hear that, and then they tell you what they're thinking off of that. This is called good communication. This dude should not have been scared about this. He should not have freaked out about this. This is what the relationship should be like. You're you're doing an awesome job. And this is, what you want is, you want to be with the kind of guy that recognizes that you're a bold woman of God who knows what she wants, and he's ready to handle that. And also, that he a guy, the kind of guy that realizes this is what a good relationship looks like, is we can openly communicate without a lot of pretense and without a lot of game playing and that kind of stuff, what we're thinking and what we're hoping for, what, we're, what we want to see in the relationship. You said clearly, this is what I'm looking for. That's awesome but it's not just how you get something started it's how you're going to do that the whole time so try somebody else because when you meet the guy that's that is as impressed with that conversation as he should have been then you're finding the kind of guy that that you can build something really good with as you go through not just the beginning of this relationship but through this different stages of it
0: that's a really really fantastic place to start off and Jed where will we take it from there
2: well here's An odd thing about relationships, but it it needs to be said because it relates directly to this. Healthy relationships are about two people embracing reality about themselves. Like if you want to build a healthy marriage, for sure, for sure, it is built on being honest about each of us and figuring out how to live in light of that. So he says, "Um, I like to initiate. No, you don't.
3: No, you don't. Yeah. That's not
2: true. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you I like to, to buy Rolex wristwatches, but I've never
0: actually done that. Yeah, I like vacationing in Bali. Never been, but I assume I would if I were to.
2: I like What I mean is I like to fantasize about myself as the kind of person who would vacation in Bali. I think I'd be very sophisticated. Sure, I, I think
0: and, I'd fit right in.
2: Yeah, they'd, be, they'd love me and you'd be impressed. Well, that's fine. It's fine fantasy, but that's not you you like to fantasize about yourself as the kind of person who would take bold initiative with a, mem- with a member of the opposite sex, but you're not that. I can appreciate that that's the person you want to be, and you want to see yourself that way, but that is in point of fact not who you are. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I think the interesting thing is part of what you are communicating to him, and again, this this has implications for for the future, is um, you are clearly not the kind of person who takes initiative. That's why we're having this conversation. But I'm interested in going on a date with you anyway. Now, a smart person says, someone has seen through my BS. They've seen through my fantasy. They've seen me for who I really am, which is something I'm I'm actually not crazy about. But they're interested in me anyway. (laughs) A smart person says, that's great. That's fantastic.
1: I've hit the jackpot. I've
2: hit the jackpot. And it's really important that they feel that way because that's what all of marriage is. Marriage is this point where no, they they know what's up. They, the the fantasies and the illusions are gone. They know the real, actual me who messes stuff up all the time. Yep. and they they choose to love me anyway. And I need to accept that. I need to accept that love of my imperfect
0: self. But I like to think of myself as someone who remembers to take the trash out every time. And shouldn't that <laughs> count for something?
4: Yeah. No.
2: no. no. And But
0: you know what? I'm actually glad
2: you said that because that points to the next thing. If we will embrace that they see the real us and are interested and that that's okay, that's actually a good thing, then we can go to the next step, which is you can improve yourself. You can't improve yourself from the fantasy of you. You can't improve yourself from the guy that probably would vacation in Bali and wear a Rolex because that guy doesn't exist. But you can, if you say, I'm the kind of guy that means to take the trash out and totally forgets about it, you can improve from there. You can grow. You can grow together as a team where you figure out a strategy for helping me get better at taking out the trash. (laughs) Now we are really off to the races. We've got a good relationship and growth. That's wonderful. But all of this is predicated on the truth. All of this is predicated on seeing ourselves for who we really are and accepting that fact. We all have fantasies about the people we wish we were. That's true for all of us. But growth in relationship is about leaving those fantasies behind when we need to. This was a moment where he needed to, and he chose not to.
0: It's a really great point. And uh, Glenn, speaking of things that only work in the fantasy realm, yes, the idea of Christian dating is rapidly moving into that territory. Yeah. So, uh, But I think it's, it's important, as you guys are point out, um, the, the advice of... Take that initiative. Set it up this way. That's all solid advice. One weirdo does not undo said solid advice. Right. So we do have. I think the the question is coming in here is exactly right. Of is as we would put it, is this a a a problem of strategy or a problem of target choice?
1: Yes. Well, I think you're 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 asking the right question because there's really kind of two layers to this. One is that this is a heck of an unpleasant moment here and it's not fair and it's uncool uh and we're sorry that it happened the, this person clearly has issues this person clearly has problems he's not being honest with himself as Jez pointing out and that's uh y- you don't want to have this kind of encounter uh so we want to say that it doesn't take much time or analysis to say that. I mean we can that that's we're gonna spend more time on other things, but the more important point is we're sorry that, that this guy right. uh just was on what he was on. The the less important point that's more complicated is that all of these moments are really kind of binary moments. That's that's kind of what's we get caught up in like the romantic element that is or isn't there, the the complicated feelings and all that. Here's the thing. If a young, let me just speak to the dudes out there. If a young lady comes up to you and says, you've been hovering and circling (laughs) for a great deal of time. If you ask me out, I would not say no. Here's the thing you need to say. I'm sorry it took so long for me to ask, but would you go out on a date with me? question mark, the end, that's it if you If, if you as the young lady say if you, if you you know I would say yes if you asked me out, and you hear anything else other than a version of that phrase, "I'm sorry, it took so long, would you please go out on a date with me? then this dude's gone. It doesn't matter how weird he is. This guy was extremely weird. But it still doesn't matter. I mean, anything else he says, that's not it. That's you have to be this tall to ride the ride, dude. He he's <laughs> he's a, he's a foot short, but it, it doesn't matter if he's an inch short or you know five hundred feet short, it doesn't matter.
0: That's a okay. good analogy.
1: Yeah. So here's what I'm saying is that uh, a, a lot of people and I, we can we can make some guesses here that uh, a lot of people uh who were christians were kind of damaged either by the book I kissed dating goodbye or by people who sort of bought into that and they're sort of stewing in that environment sort of the culture uh, cultural impact of that so that's we can be understanding about how people get damaged by all of that but again, it's still a binary thing. Are you willing to do the work to figure out how to get out from underneath that, or not? This guy clearly isn't. He's 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 doubling down on all of that as if it's a path to good relationships, despite the fact that the guy who wrote it said it's not the path to good relationships. It took him a while to come around to that, but he he, he did clearly state that. So. Um, That kind of takes us to the next point, which is if you look at any relationship, uh, dating relationship or marriage relationship between any two people, you need two people who know what they need to work on. That's thing number one. And they are working on it. That's thing number two. If you don't know what you need to work on, you can't work on it. So that that keeps number two from happening. If you're not working on the stuff you need to be working on, this relationship is already dead. It just hasn't happened yet. It'll take time and just, you know circumstances and whatever else, but it's already dead. Healthy relationships are people who know what to work on and they're working on it. It's, in many healthy relationships, for example, mine, there's a person constantly telling me, you know, guess what? You need to not do that. And you say, <laughs> oh, the, it makes sense when you say it out loud. I didn't, that never occurred to me. And then you work on that, and and you're you're moving forward. And this relationship gets healthier and healthier as you go. This is a person who does not understand the nature of his own struggle and isn't working on that at all. But it kind of doesn't matter how sharp this guy is or what problems he did or did not have to be hung up on. If he's the sharpest dude in the world and the most romantic guy in the world, and it's a perfect fit for you, whatever the heck that is, and you're the perfect couple, whatever the heck that is. But if he's not aware of what he needs to work on, and he's not working on it, you're not aware of what you need to work on, and you're working on it, this relationship is utterly doomed. Regardless of the the good start or the bad start, that that doesn't matter. So yes, this is a tragic plane has crashed into the side of the mountain kind of problem here. But it, it, it the right way to look at that is, hey, if he's that far from knowing what the problem is and working on the problem, there was never any hope, regardless. But even if this guy says, "I'm scared to death, I don't know what to do, I read this book and I'm on the wrong page, I am in, I am, I don't know anything, but I'm ready to work on all of it." That's work. Then, then you go work with that. Yeah. You know, so that I think. We can get caught up in diagnosing the weirdness, but uh that doesn't help us uh, get to get to the point of deeper understanding of even if you got the weirdness, if you're willing to work on it we can we can make this function
0: that's all very true. I think that is one of the the more insidious things about the whole kind of I could dating goodbye and the culture that popped up around it is part of that putting off any kind of dabbling in i was going to say healthy dating, but really dating healthy otherwise is we got. So many people got so late in life without any knowledge of the script. Mm-hmm. Because if you're whatever subculture you're part of how you kind of approach dating, there is a script. There is you yeah. Know, person A says this, person B says this or that, and you kind of feel that out. So this I you kind of as you're pointing out, if even if you're the person in this and who's approaching this the right way, being bold, doing the thing you're supposed to do, there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of healthy expectation on how, what, what is a, an acceptable response? What's an unacceptable response? What's a, so weird this person might need to be committed for a short time and, uh, take some very strong antipsychotic medications to work on their <laughs> deep and profound issues. Um, so we, we hope that, uh, we, we spend a lot of time on the show, uh, trying to, trying to lay out, this is what a person should say. They can put it in their own words, but it really is. Uh, if we're, we're trying to give the script that, uh, an entire generation of youth pastors attempted to rob the world of. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's all pretty. And you know, as, as Glenn's pointing out, it doesn't need to be as, as confident or as suave as it's delivered in the, If we're going to go back to the idea of talking about, you know, the, the real versus the ideal. There'd be, there'd be a certain amount of stammering and stuttering. And that's fine. That's fine. What we're looking for is not being a massive weirdo. Yeah. And what we got, and what really, what it boils down to is you asked a human question. And you got someone trying to quote Christian culture back at you. Mm -hmm. That's not good. No, that is not in any situation, any conversation, much less one with a romantical bent. Don't try to quote Christian books in the real world. That's, that's not a thing. That's, that's no better than if you, if someone asked you that you might want to go date and you just started quoting lines from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Just because it's a one different one does not
3: book. simply go to the coffee shop, man.
0: Yeah, just at least now, at least he he tried to change it on that one to make it something. Just this idea of again, it goes back to kind of stuff we were about in my last episode. This idea of I got the book and I just try to live by that book, by the book, not that book, this other book, this other right. collection of books. <laughs> it's really not, and that's that is really the thing is that's what we, when we talk about someone as a weirdo, we don't mean they had some social awkwardness in this situation. That's right. entirely normal. I mean, you were trying to have an actual conversation in the real world. And as Jed is saying, they were having a conversation in their weird pure Flix movie version uh-huh. of the world. Yep. And that's not compatible to reality. That's not something we want. Jed, one more thing on this.
2: You know, on that subject of just basic social anxiety, feeling embarrassed and whatnot. Two things. You're new to this. You're going to screw stuff up. Sure. You're going to totally. say the wrong thing. You're going to stammer. You're going to trip over your words. Okay. So quick story. Hallie um, works a certain kind of job now where uh, she hangs out with a lot of doctors, a lot of physicians, and it's the kind of work where it's important for me as her lovely husband to to go and, and be around them and make an appearance from time to time. That's a new thing for me. It's, it's not something I've done a lot of. I can't tell you how many things I screw up in these social situations. <laughs> right. Presently.
0: But Jed, could you give us some kind of example?
2: I am constantly knocking things over, breaking things, dropping a ladle into a vat of gravy <laughs> in front of an
0: entire room full of people. And then trying to pick it back out with your fingers. Retrieving it, using <laughs> cocktail
2: napkins to try and wipe the gravy off of it. As the dude says, actually, brother, there's another ladle right there.
4: Why didn't you tell me about- before i
2: had a guy like 36 hours ago like a 75 year old man go sir sir i said yeah what's that i'm terribly embarrassed to have to tell you but i'm afraid your shirt tails are showing i had my shirt untucked and he was berating me in public for it You'll that's be a, okay. It's a
0: pretty soft line for berating them, Jerry. <laughs>
1: it just makes me happy.
2: You'll be a, you're gonna you're gonna drop the <laughs> ladle into the gravy,
1: <laughs> right? You're yes. you're gonna yeah. wear
2: the wrong thing. Yeah, you're gonna use the wrong glass. Yep. You're gonna knock stuff over. I know you're going to do this because I'm doing it presently. Sure. Here's the key thing: it doesn't matter.
1: Does not matter. It's
2: it's fine. Yep. It's fine. The only everybody who's sophisticated today, they're sophisticated because they weren't, and then they started, and they learned, and they grew.
4: Yep. You'll right. be fine.
2: The key thing is getting in motion, giving it your best shot, giving it all you got, and letting the Lord uh, pick up the pieces and make up the difference.
0: I think that's a great point. And one more thing I'll tack on the end of this as we're talking about, you know, an acceptable response from the other side. Um, there's nothing wrong with being bad at something, even though you're giving it a shot, and copying to, I'm new at this.
1: That's right. I, I
0: will meet yeah. Jed's embarrassing story with my own embarrassing story. I was recently in in the UK and had the, had the, the wonderful... Uh, the opportunity to go to a football match over there, and they do things slightly differently than the sports events I've been to here. Which I will spare you the gory details. Long and short of it, which is, I walked face first into a metal turnstile before <laughs> scanning my ticket, and friend, it did not budge. <laughs> I about, I about, literally bounced off it. looked shook out. looked befuddled, and the very nice man behind me goes, "You scan your ticket right there, pal." And I guess I could have been like trying to play I'm like I know. I, I and I literally said this. Thank you. I'm an American. I'm doing my best. That's ah! right. And low, he knew what that meant. So, again, yeah. if we're in this, uh, there's a certain amount of level playing field because, and Christians in your 20s, I, I don't want this to hurt. None of you know what you're doing.
1: That's definitely true. We love you. <laughs> yeah, we love we you. We love you. It's, and it's fine. not your fault. It's not your fault. But when it comes to this, none of you know what you're doing. You don't know anything.
0: So, you don't have, no one expects you to be Mr. Darcy on this. That's right. They say, and if the dude had stopped halfway through this and said, well, you know, I like to, you know, you know what? Never done this before.
3: Also, Mr. Darcy wasn't Mr. Darcy at it. Yeah, right, you, that's right. Some
0: of you were a little Twitter-pated at the Colin Firth version, uh. with, in the, and you, don't, you didn't really read the character. Right, but, that's right. So, whatever your definition of smooth is, that doesn't exist in the real world. It certainly doesn't exist amongst unmarried Christians in their 20s. That's right. So, a little bit of, I'm sure I'm going to go with this like a baby giraffe taking its first steps, but I'm new and I think you're new too. So why don't we just try it out? that That is, I'm talking about the show. That is the power of humility. Yeah. Well, you got here with someone trying to play this off. Like they know what they're talking about. And that's how you get sputtering about liking to do the initiating. Maybe I meant to drop that ladle in that
2: <laughs> gravy. Maybe I was making a statement. <laughs> y'all made, you you made eye know.
0: contact with the 55 year old doctor behind you. Like, yeah. No gravy for anyone now.
1: That's right. I put my hand in the gravy trying to get it back out. That's right. It's not like you doctors care about sterile conditions or anything. Deal with it. It's germs. It's real. Deal with it.
0: (laughs) Sir, you seem to have uh, walked face first into that gate. I know. Just trying it out. It held up. Good job.
2: I like to initiate walking into gates. That's how I do. (laughs) No, let this
0: gate dictate. Well, I think we helped and then didn't help. And then helped again right there at the end, which is kind of our whole thing. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Those links should be in the episode description. We're still in the uh, the wonderful, magical Christmas season. Yay. But that does mean some great Christmas music from your friends. Here's that podcast to take out with one of our favorites. This is Lee's version of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Great track take out that. Thanks for listening. It's from where we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: To say that podcast, if you like your wisdom to come from dudes flying around the sanctuary, look elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs>